T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. America faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. To understand what's going on right now in Ukraine, you have to understand the secret golden rule of U.S. foreign policy that guides everything. And it's not what you guess. If you go off the petrodollar, we will kill you. Or, at a minimum, we'll take you out in a coup. Sell all the oil and natural gas you want, but you gotta sell them for dollars. Or we will kill you. That is the central tenet of uniparty neocon foreign policy. Ever wonder why with atrocities and battles all over the world, we focus on some and random countries no one could find on the map before, but not others? There's a horrific famine right now in Afghanistan that Joe Biden caused with his pullout. And nobody cares. Why our elites suddenly got obsessed with places like Iraq and Libya? Why they're obsessed with Ukraine now, but not Yemen, where a lot of people are fighting and dying. Let me take you back through the real history of our foreign wars of the last 20 years. And you'll notice almost all the countries we attack have one thing in common. They're OPEC members. Saddam Hussein was the first victim of my generation. He made the mistake in the year 2000 of proclaiming that he was going to accept payment for Iraq's oil in other currencies. He chose the euro first because it had the best exchange rate. It made him hundreds of billions of dollars to sell that oil in something other than dollars. So we killed him. Usually a dictator won't survive beyond two to three years after announcing that they're going to sell their oil, natural gas, energy, and anything but dollars. To understand this, you've got to go back to the 1970s and the deal that Nixon and Kissinger cut with the Saudis. We would uncouple our dollar from gold and we would prop it up because it was just paper at that point by backing it with oil. So we cut a deal with Saudi Arabia, the de facto head of OPEC, that we would be their, essentially their military. We would act to protect them. They wouldn't need to have a real military of any might or strength. And OPEC would sell all oil for American dollars. Anybody wanting to buy it would have to first change their currency into ours. It created a fake demand for American dollars that has given us the lifestyle we have today. And more importantly, it's given Congress their printing press. No one can print money like we can. We literally can manufacture monopoly money, trillions of dollars worth, out of thin air. It's like having that tree on which money grows. When countries like Zimbabwe try it, they go broke. Ditto for Venezuela, because they don't have a petrodollar. 
This is why, remember, we had to go to Iraq, our elites claimed, to make the world safe after 9-11. But the actual perpetrators of 9-11 were all Saudis. Heck, they ran that operation, we'd later find out from the FBI, out of the dang Saudi embassy. And what do we do? We let them get on planes and fly out of the country, run out of the country when the rest of our airspace was locked down in the days after they did 9-11. The FBI wanted to investigate. The Bush administration wouldn't let them, or better put, couldn't let them if we were to keep the petrodollar. And so we let the Saudis get away with mass murder while we made plans to invade a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. Again, why? The petrodollar. After Saddam Hussein said in October of 2000, announced he would no longer sell Iraqi oil for dollars, President Bush got elected the month after, in November. By the end of November, he was giving an interview to the BBC, telling them we were going into Iraq. 9-11, the excuse for going into Iraq, wouldn't happen for another nine months. Bush already knew where he was going. They had to tamp this down. Because if Iraq got the idea as an OPEC member that it could sell oil for something other than dollars and make billions of dollars more in the process, well, everybody'd want to do it. So we killed him. We killed Muammar Gaddafi for the same reason. He was doing a damn good job running Libya. He was a partner of ours in the war on terror. And he had voluntarily disarmed nuclearly. He thought he was fine. He was an ally of ours after all. When, in 2009, he made the mistake of deciding he was going to sell his oil for gold. But it was worse than that. He'd actually gotten, probably for protection, several other countries in Africa to agree to do the same. Nigeria, Tunisia, Egypt, Angola. And just like that, all of a sudden, our attention turned to Libya. With the same elite screaming about human rights abuses in Ukraine now, suddenly so concerned and screaming about human rights abuses in Libya. And what were those human rights abuses? Gaddafi was killing radical jihadists that planned to overthrow and tried to overthrow his government. In fact, that's why Gaddafi had become such a critical partner of ours in the war on terror because a lot of the Iraqi jihadists we were killing were actually the same ones he was killing in Libya. So we teamed up to kill them together, but then made war on Gaddafi for killing them. It was just an excuse. They were literally the same people we were killing in Iraq, us. And when we looked at, you know, where did the most, you know, number of foreign fighters come from in Iraq, it was Libya. In other words, the same people Gaddafi was killing. And we were fine with killing them too, ourselves, in Iraq. But not fine when Gaddafi did it because we wanted to use these people, we called them the moderate rebels, as an excuse to go in and kill Gaddafi in punishment for vowing to go off the petrodollar. We killed him. We had another fate reserved for Egypt for partnering with Gaddafi in this, and the Arab Spring was born. So by 2011, we had killed Gaddafi and overthrown the Egyptian government, replacing both with brutal jihadists loyal to us and certain to commit genocide on the population, which happened in Libya. They still sell slaves off slave blocks in slave markets there today. It's total chaos. You couldn't land a plane there. That's who we installed. When Gaddafi led that country, you get off a plane in Tripoli and go shopping peacefully up and down the street as a woman with no head covering, and you'd be fine. Don't try it now. 
Oh, in the process of forcing the civilians, it was a very educated population, very westernized, to accept brutal jihadist rule, we bombed their water delivery systems, dehydrating them into acceptance of this jihadist rule. By the time we were done, 25,000 civilians were dead. Some put the number as high as 55. We'll never know. Like I said, Egypt got off easier. They were merely the victims of regime change. And they managed to throw off the Muslim Brotherhood jihadist leadership we installed. But the neocons in both parties weren't done. They immediately turned their attention to Ukraine and to Syria, the two battlegrounds on which they planned to fight Russia. First, our CIA armed and trained radical jihadists who would later go on to form that 33,000-strong caliphate that Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump destroyed. But we armed and trained the jihadists in Jordan and sent them in to attack the pipelines. That's what they did for us. We gave them the arms and the training to attack uh, Putin's pipelines and try to overthrow Assad. Assad has been cast in the U.S. media as a bad guy, but he's not. He is the only reason those jihadists didn't kill innocent Shia, Christians, Jews, and non-Muslims and Alawites. Assad fought them valiantly with Vladimir Putin at his side. They were fighting even then against the petrodollar while we were arming and training them. They were brutal people. They put 15,000 innocent people alone in one mass grave in Syria. We didn't care about their side activities. We just wanted them to overthrow Assad and stop Putin's pipeline. Because after all, Putin had vowed that he would get the world off the petrodollar. He intended to destroy it. He and China had even formed BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, China, India, and South Africa. A coalition of countries established for going off the dollar together. Because you want to do that together if you hope to survive it. Syria was supposed to be the site of the war we're watching now. The proxy war, the proxy currency war we're seeing now in Ukraine. That's why in that debate, when Hillary Clinton was asked, what's the first thing you do as president? She gave a surprising answer. Well, to people who don't understand the petrodollar. She said the first thing she would do was, you know, not some major civil rights legislation or some big bill. But a no-fly zone over Syria, which was certain to start World War III with Russia, which was kind of the idea. Putin would be harder to kill. We'd have to get at him gradually, another way. So we lied in Syria, like we're lying now. We accused Assad of war crimes with chemical weapons. That sound familiar? Yeah, they're playing that playbook right now on your television. Chemical weapons, cyber attack. Chemical weapons, cyber attack. It's an old playbook. Yeah, so... We were going to use this to go to war in Syria, you know, to save the people killed by the chemical weapons, except one problem. Within two years, a U.N. investigation would find out Assad didn't use those weapons. Well, who did? We never knew for sure, but it looked like it was the moderate rebels we trained. Not that it would have mattered. Hillary intended her no-fly zone and her World War III with Russia when she was elected. But then a miracle happened and she wasn't elected. And then something crazy happened. We switch sides. You want to understand why they hate Trump? This right here is a big part of it. He refused to go along with the petrodollar wars. He wanted to project strength by building us up economically to the point where everybody could go off the petrodollar. And we as Americans would be just fine. We would project our strength the way we did for the first 70 years of the last century. Through the vast natural resources under our feet and selling them ourselves for dollars 
It would bring about world peace. There'd be no more need for bloody wars, no need for neocons, and no need to overthrow governments. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. So Trump did a crazy thing. And by the way, if you understand why the intel community, which is very neocon, was so against Trump, it was because he switched sides. He partnered with Russia to knock down the 33,000 strong cancer of a caliphate that had grown up on the border between Iraq and Syria. Again, two countries, Iraq that had wanted off the petrodollar and Assad, who was helping Putin to build that oil pipeline. And who were these jihadists? Oh, these so-called moderate rebels. We armed and trained, except they weren't moderate at all. By the time we were done, a million Christians who'd made their home in Iraq since the time of Jesus were either dead or displaced. We'd killed 500,000 Iraqis and tens of thousands of Syrians. Well, our fighters had. Putin knows what we are, and he knows what we're capable of. Well, Putin knows what the Democrats and the neocons are capable of. When Donald Trump came in, again, we had switched sides. It's amazing to me that we did. We partnered with Putin to wipe out the caliphate that the CIA and the Department of Defense had worked so hard to build an arm and train the people who were in it to go after Putin as part of their proxy war. It took just nine months. But getting Putin would take more planning than that. So the Obama regime concentrated on Ukraine, specifically on regime change in Ukraine. And in a violent coup in 2014, the neo-Nazis are CIA armed and trained. And there's a great video on this whole process by Oliver Stone called Ukraine on Fire. There's another great video. Right now I have it pinned to the top of my Gab account called The War in Ukraine. And you can in it you can see the head of the CIA under Obama, uh, Brennan, on camera bragging about training these people. He doesn't call them neo-Nazis, but that's who they were. Um, we armed and trained those militias, and they in turn conducted genocides on the Ukraine people, especially Russian speakers in Ukraine. Now, all of that was to provoke Vladimir Putin into the war we're in right now in Ukraine to draw him out so that we could fight him because Putin wasn't going to be like the other leaders that we were able to overthrow in coups or kill. That guy 
is protected by nuclear weapons and surrounded much better than anyone else in these rudimentary countries that we've been able to kill. It would take a bigger, stronger, longer war. And so we began to foment them, that war, in 2014. First, by arming and training the neo-Nazi brigades that would later be absorbed into the Ukraine military. And by installing in a violent and bloody coup in 2014, Ukrainian leadership that was loyal to us. Immediately upon installation, the genocide began in the ethnically Russian areas in the eastern part of the country. I think it was a bid to provoke Putin into war. And he did send some troops in from time to time as the people we'd installed killed ethnic Russians. In fact, in that video, I'll keep it pinned to the top of my Gab account for a while. That video of the war in Ukraine, you can actually see the installed leader of the Ukraine government brag about cleansing. Yes, ethnic cleansing in the east. That's the ethnically Russian, Russian-speaking area of Ukraine. Though Those are still Ukrainian citizens. In that same video, which, by the way, was created in 2019, you'll see the Ukrainian government bomb those ethnic Russian speakers. You'll see children and teachers pulled from the rubble. They're dead. You'll see them buried in mass graves. Wow, that sounds familiar. Something in the news right now about that? Kind of makes you wonder who did it. That war would rage on for eight years as we attempted to provoke Putin. We did another thing, too. We installed, built, or took over bioweapons labs. And, and we placed the ones we did, we placed them in ethnically Russian areas, loyal to Russia. By the way, that's no longer a conspiracy theory. I think one of the biggest stories of the week was that the Pentagon has just admitted they were bioweapons labs. Deborah Rosenbaum, she's the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear, Chemical, and Biological Defense, testified before Congress on Friday and admitted, yes, we did have them. In fact, the Defense Department has since put out a working sheet on this. Here's what it says. Quote, the United States has invested approximately $200 million in Ukraine since 2005, supporting 46 Ukrainian laboratories, health facilities, and diagnostic sites. And what are they doing there? Biologic weapons. Wait, what? Here's how she put it. I can say to you unequivocally, there are no offensive biologic weapons in the Ukraine laboratories that the United States has been involved with. Well, of course there aren't. The Department of Defense classifies all weapons as defensive, from the tanks to the grenades, until they're used in battle. Then they become offensive. So a defensive killer bioweapon would just be one with the cap on. An offensive one would be one where they took the cap off and went running around in the vicinity, getting everyone sick. So, of course, there's no offensive weapons there because everyone would be dead. Now, remember when it was okay for the mainstream media to cover all this and to tell the truth about it? I want to direct your attention back to the Newsweek article. Vladimir Putin's advisor says U.S. is developing biological weapons near Russia. It was published April 8, 2021, a year ago. And in it, they say that there were bioweapons in these labs, that they were built like Fort Detrick, but also that the people around them who were native Russian, Russian speakers, kept getting sick. Last Thursday, the Russians had a press conference you probably heard nothing about to proclaim the evidence they had collected that these labs were Hunter Biden's. They presented email evidence and all of that. And they were. Metabiota was involved in a lot of these labs via Vetch. They had money in them. 
Folks, I got to do another podcast on whether the Democrat Party has its own bioweapons program in concert with the Department of Defense. But that's another subject. So what were we doing? Trying to menace Russia into war in Ukraine. That's why Biden in December offered Ukraine NATO membership because Russia knew we could poison whoever we wanted to or the labs could and they couldn't retaliate without starting World War Three. We forced our hand. Now, what are we doing? Well, we can't kill Putin directly like we did Gaddafi and Hussein. We can't get to him. So a better option, and this is what I think they're doing right now, is to blame atrocities on Putin or focus in on atrocities actually committed by Putin. Pick your storyline. Who the hell knows? And we can pick him up for a war crimes trial or justifiably murder him in the process with the same result. Here's Peter Ducey talking to Jen Psaki about that. Keep in mind as you hear this, not one shred of forensic evidence, not one has been presented by Ukraine to prove that it was the Russians and not the genocidal Ukrainian government that killed those people and put them in mass graves. Notice on the news, the only source given is Zelensky and the Ukrainian government, who are again genocidal. Now consider the advantages, the convenient advantages of these attacks and brutal killings being Russian. It's straight out of the Syrian playbook where we accused Assad of using chemical weapons when he didn't to justify going in. President Biden is talking about putting Putin on a wartime trial. Does he expect Putin to turn himself in to stand trial or does he think somebody's going to have to go into Russia and arrest him? There is precedent in the past of how this process can work. We're not going to prejudge what the process would work or or uh, what steps uh, would be taken uh, through the, through an international legal process. See where they're going with this? If we can't kill Putin like we did Gaddafi and Hussein, and we can't get inside to overthrow their government like we did Egypt and Tunisia, we'll settle for an imprisonment after trumped up charges at a criminal court hearing. So why would Putin and China, because China's just as involved in this, they're now cutting deals, including with the Saudis, to stop selling oil for dollars. Why would they risk this? Well, for starters, they bought off our president and have a lot of blackmail material. But there's another reason. Because the currency walls are closing in. Putin understands his enemy is not the American people. It's the Democrat neocons. That's why the troop and tank buildup began on the Russian border within a week of Biden being sworn in. Yeah, but why not just go on accepting dollars in payment for Russian oil and gas? And forget all this. Because Russia can't. And China can't either because of what's coming. You don't know about it because they're not as open about it here. But they are in England, where in the mainstream newspapers, they openly write about the coming transition to a digital currency that will be a Western style EU and American system of programmable digital currency. You want to see it for yourself? I mean, the Telegraph is as mainstream as the New York Times or the Washington Post. They openly talk about it in the UK. Look up this article. Bank of England tells ministers to intervene on digital currency programming. It's from June 21st, 2021. And it talks about how they'll be able to control everything the dollar, the digital dollar is spent upon um, from the central bank. So this would be a virtual dictatorial takeover by us and the UK of the whole world it'll be like usurping dictatorships in china and russia and telling their people and whole countries what they will spend money on we could cancel whole countries like a canadian trucker and with biden and boris johnson in the driver's seat we are speeding toward that that was the whole point of the vaccine passport too they needed a digital id to go with the digital currency 
all of which has sped up China and Russia's plans to fragment the system. This is why Russia is currently demanding payment for its resources in rubles or allowing some countries to use their own currency. It doesn't really matter. He'd prefer the ruble, but he's got to break the system. He's got to give other countries a way around this digital currency. That'll give us and the top nations of the EU virtual dictatorial powers. In other words, World War III's already started, and it's a currency war. Our only hope to stop it, ironically, is that the two, the world's two biggest dictatorships, Russia and China, will manage to form their own financial system, and that the other BRICS countries in it, like India and Brazil, will keep it honest. Because they'll want countries to join. And you can't get countries to join if Russia and China just launch their own dictatorial digital currency. It could work out. It's the only way the planet will be free in 15 years. And free only because China and Russia want these countries in their alternative economic system in order to make money. There's that money thing again. Of course, China might turn on Russia and try to take over the whole world with the U.S. dollar and other paper-based currency like the EU's currency damaged. It could go any number of ways. But that's what you're watching in Ukraine. One way or another, it'll change the world. As Russia attempts to crush the petrodollar and the whole globalist neocon system with a clenched fist. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>